Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. And the announcement has been made upon the United States that Christianity is over and we're living in a post-modern Christian world. But that's only the father of lies, for we know that God has a great plan to allow his light to shine in the last days. The greater the darkness, the greater the impact of the church. And um, uh, things like this morning, I, I was sitting in my desk preparing for this morning when um, it was last week, I don't know, you may, maybe you figure it out with me, I believe it was Tuesday, Tuesday, um, I was sitting at my daughter's uh, volleyball game there at Westwood Christian, and I turned to my cousin, his name is George, and because uh, the Hispanic way of dealing with things is not to call him Jorge, but Jorgito, so... Uh, he's 50 years old. Um, they call him Jorgito. And um, so I said, hey, have you ever been to a Marlin game? And he says, no, you know something? The stadium has been there for a while, and I've never been to a Marlin game. So uh, Carlos Estrada uh, had called me earlier in the day. He says, listen, uh, you want to come? And, and I have an extra ticket. So I told my cousin, I said, come with us. And so he was excited. He had never been there. Um, he works for the county here. Uh, Dade County Building Department, and so we got ready, and, and we drove over there around 6 o'clock, and we sat there and watched uh, the Marlin pitcher, Jose uh, Fernandez, pitch uh, eight out of the nine innings, and they won against the Washington Nationals 1-0. to zero. Um, I don't like games like that. I don't like to watch three hours worth of baseball and only one, one run, right? Um, but this morning, my cousin calls me, and the whole time we were there and the time we were going home, we were telling him about getting closer to God and being able to seek the Lord while he may be found. And um, this morning he texted me while I was preparing for the message. And, and he says, you know something? Uh, I just saw this on the news that last night, the pitcher that we saw pitching uh, on Tuesday last week would be the last time anybody would ever see him pitching because he died last night. And, um, and I said, this is a hoax. This cannot be because the guy's healthy as an ox. He was throwing 96 miles an hour. And it was striking out, I think he struck out 12 people. 12 people is four innings. Nobody could hit because he's taking them out. And I always, when we go to watch the Marlin game, I always tell Carlos that I really like not only his pitching, but his spirit for life and the game. He loves baseball. He's one of the few pitchers that hits home runs. Uh, and then pitchers don't like to bat, but he does. He's all over the place, and he's, he's enjoying it. He's talking to the other team, full of life and vigor. And this morning, he's no longer upon the earth. Um, and that's where we see James chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible talks about this reality, and we as humans still don't get it, that our life here on the earth is but a vapor. The person sitting to, next to you right now, he says, where you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know if that person that's next to you right now is going to be here tomorrow. And so when you get news like that, it says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. Say with me, little time? And vanishes. So the, don't, make, don't make stories in your head that you have a lot of time because the Bible says we're going to be here a little time. And man wants to deceive himself with this reality. And so we can continually, when I heard the news this morning, I said, it, it, this is impossible. This has to be a joke. Because it's very famous 
for celebrities, people like to always joke around and they put, oh, so-and-so died and so-and-so, and they're, they're alive. So when I heard this news this morning, I said, this cannot be because we just saw him last week. He was pitching 96 miles an hour. He's 24 years old. Surely he cannot leave the earth, but guess what? He's gone. The last night at 3 o'clock in the morning on a boat in the waters in Miami Beach, uh, they hit some rocks and, and three people died, including him. And so um, speaks volumes in many directions. One, our life is short upon the earth, number one. Number two, uh, possibly his father had told him his whole life not to be out past 12. Possibly. N- not be with fools. Like the Bible says, the companion of fools will be destroyed. You're hanging out with the wrong people at the wrong time, um, the wrong place. And so I don't know. I, I know here's my, my aspect and focus on life is I know I'm not going to be upon the earth uh, for a thousand years. But the time I am upon the earth, I want to use it fully for God's purpose and for his glory. I want to, I want to live every last second. And with the understanding that the breath of life is given by God. And God says, hey, your time is up. He's like, no, because I got a pitch on Monday. No, your time is up. That's it. It's over. And so to have an account uh, with God is the best thing we do for our lives, for our husbands, our wives, our children, our families. To to make sure that you have uh, a great uh, cross-section of that understanding. This This is Bible here. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Every moment is a glimpse of, uh, of scenarios, a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So keep, uh, let's, let, why don't we do that now? Because I'm sure that the family right now is in shock. Um, more surprised even than me. They probably thought, yeah, I'm going to see Jose tomorrow. I'll see him on Monday. I'm going to be with him. We're going to have dinner on, on Friday night, whatever the case may be. But um, let this serve as a sounding to Miami that, that our times are precious, uh, limited, and they need to be uh, super focused in the purpose of God. So um, right there at your chair, let's, let's pray for the family, uh, for the other families also that had the loss of life uh, in, in the other three individuals that died. I don't, I'm not sure if it was three and Jose or it was just them three. Father, this morning as we awake and the sun came up, we received some news that is just incredibly surprising. And so that it gives us a glimpse of our eternal nature, that we're... we're We're destined to eternity, but our life, our physical life upon the earth has a certain amount of breath. That means that uh, we will be around for so many days, weeks, and years. And like it says in Psalm 90 verse 10, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days so that we might garner wisdom on how we are to live. And that we don't have the promise, Lord, of a a life without end here upon the earth, but certainly every one of us will come to the time where we will cease to live in the flesh and we will appear in your presence. Uh, We pray, Father God, that in the midst of this loss, only the Holy Spirit can comfort the family members and the friends and even our community, Lord, because it's a sense of loss in a member of our community that was a champion. We pray, Lord, that 
the family would be embraced by your spirit, that they would seek those things that are above. Because you said where your treasure is, there your heart is. So their treasure has gone on to eternity, and we pray that they would seek eternal things and not the earthly things. That our treasures would not be here upon the earth. That even our life here upon the earth would be just a passing as pilgrims and strangers, Lord. So that we might be destined to our eternal home in the heavens with you. Give us a proper perspective of life, of value. Teach us to be obedient and to walk with wisdom and determine that the days are evil and the, lion, uh, the devil like a roaring lion is seeking to devour those he might have access to. I pray that Miami would have a heart turned towards the church house. If we were thinking about worshiping on Sunday morning, maybe we wouldn't be out late at night, Saturday night. If our heart was right before you, we would probably be having a life of abundance and not being exposed to destruction, to danger, to peril. We pray, Father God, that during this time, it would be a time of great harvest because you say that unless the wheat falls to the ground and dies, there will be no fruit. Allow there to be great fruit as a result of this loss, Lord. Allow young people to turn their heart back to obedience to their parents where there's a safe haven. If you honor your father and your mother, everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life upon the earth. Those of us that do water sports and that do things out on the beach and even have hobbies and do things, Lord, give us wisdom during those times of recreation. Allow us to enjoy but to be safe, Lord. We give you thanks for this opportunity as an opportunity to witness to others what it says in James 4.14, that our life upon the earth appears for a moment and then vanishes away. It's but a vapor, Lord. And tomorrow, we don't know what we'll bring. Teach us wisdom and give us strength during this time. Give this family solace and comfort. Give Miami the ability to seek your face and not turn away from you, Lord, so that you can protect us, so that you can guard us, so that you can keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Uh, this week we will be traveling to Poland, uh, a place called Warsaw. Um, we will be gathering with the nation's leaders the president of the nation and his father will be at that summit, a fatherhood summit. And we've been invited to be keynote speakers. That means that after the president's father speaks for 45 minutes, then they have asked me to speak for 45 minutes. And I'm asking God to give me words that will change that nation for the glory of God. The Polish people are an ancient people. They've been around for a long time, and there's been a lot of things that have occurred during the history of that nation. But, but I believe that, that God has a purpose and a plan from um, moving us from a small church in Miami, a 13-hour flight to Poland to speak to the leaders about what it is to be a father. And I'm, I'm super excited, and somebody pinched me because I think I'm dreaming. Because these are the things that God spoke to us 18 years ago when we started this church. 
And everybody was like, you're crazy. What do you think? You're going to change the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we're upon the earth. And, and we're here to do things for the glory of God. So, um, and, and I know my spiritual sons are going to rise up even more powerfully than I am. They're going to take the land by storm. And so uh, we need to be sharp in our uh, spoken word, in, in our, the eloquence of the words we speak. And I, I want to tell you that it's super important. Even last night as um, we were sitting there for dinner at, at a gathering, um, that the man who sat next to me represents the Miller Company. How many know the Miller Company, right? It's, a, it's the beer company. So he's the president of Miller um, South African brewing company that bought the Miller Company and, and the opportunity to share the significance of life to men that, you know, don't see purpose for existence and are leading families. And, and funny enough, they, as, as we were talking last night, they also lost a daughter on January 1st this year, the first day of the year, their 18-year-old daughter died of a car accident. And so um, sitting next to them last night and being able to cultivate a friendship and, and communicate and speak, I, I hope you're not uh, wasting your time as you meet people and speak to them. I, I hope you're willing to know that you are the instrument of God, the connection of God to bring these people into God's purpose. We always use, and I was telling this man last night, Ecclesiastes 6.6, 6, let's read that up there on the board. This is one of the verses I shared with him last night, that if a man were to live a thousand years twice, if a person were to be upon the earth and live a thousand years twice but does not see the purpose of God, goodness, verse 3 says it's better that he would have never, verse 3, if he begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is never satisfied with the goodness of God, indeed, there's no celebration at his burial. I say that a stillborn is better than he. A child that is never even born is better off than a man who lives a thousand years twice and never sees the purpose of God. So we are the nexus for these people to come into the purpose of God if they could connect into knowing that God is real. And, and one, of, one, of, one of the scenarios that is a dilemma for these men is that they can't come to the real God to fulfill, to fulfill real purpose unless they meet a real Christian. How will they meet the real God unless they see the real Christian? And so what happens, what do you think happens to people that meet phony Christians? Could, could, could a phony Christian introduce a true God? No. A phony Christian cannot... Give what he doesn't have. So I met a young man in Mexico years ago, and he had met a very uh, attractive young girl. He was 18 years old, and he met an attractive, uh, beautiful girl. Uh, the only problem is she was Mormon, a Mormon girl. And, and he says, I'm going to be her boyfriend. I said, are you crazy? He goes, yeah, because I'm going to teach her sound doctrine. I'm going, really? How are you that is not living sound doctrine, going to teach sound doctrine. Because my Bible says you shall not be unequally yoked. So you're going to teach her what? What you're not living? I said, my friend, you're going to marry this girl, and her parents, which are Mormons, are going to take those babies of yours, their grandchildren, to the Mormon temple, and they're going to serve a false god because you, my friend, departed sound doctrine. 
So I really believe what it says there in, in Psalm 51, one of the things that David says, he says, Lord, make me real in my relationship with you, then I can go and teach. Verse 13, Psalm 51, 13, it says, if you fix me, then I'll be able to go and fix other people. Let's, let's go to verse 12 real quick, watch. He says, Lord, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Fix my Christian heart. Heal me with a generous spirit. If you restore my soul, restore the joy of my salvation. If I get right with you, verse 13 says, then I can go and teach transgressions, transgressors your ways and sinners shall convert to you. If I'm real, I get to impact people with my reality. And then uh, that's what we were doing last night with this gentleman. Uh, he's like, how do you know that what you are doing is not, not true? I said, are you crazy? Of course it's true. If you hang out with me, you're going to find out. You're going to find out how true it is, and you're going to be transformed. So um, that's what we, we do with that respect. And, and I want to tell you that that's what we're upon the earth to do. Make sure that you know your assignment in the Lord. You're not here uh, to accumulate wealth for the next generation. You're here to impact this world with your treasure, which is in Christ. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would use this word. We will touch upon briefly for your glory, Lord, to get prepared for your coming. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, I really believe... Um, whether it be, and this is where people always ask pastor, they say, pastor, do you think that, that, that we only have a limited amount of days upon the earth? How many, if you're a Christian, people say, do you believe that the world is coming to an end? And this is what the disciples told Jesus. When is everything going to finish? And uh, guess when everything finished for Jose Fernandez? Last night. So if you were to talk to him last week, he's 24 years old, and you ask him the question, so, Jose, how long are you going to, well, next year I'm a free agent, I'm going to sign a contract, I'm going to be making. Time is gone. You don't know what's going to happen next week, next month. You don't know if you'll finish the year. So knowing that, I want to be ready. There's nothing more important. Than, and so the last book of the Bible is called Revelations. And there in chapter 1, verse 1, it says these are the things which God gave him to show God's followers. This is, this is Christ being revealed. And God gave Jesus to show his servants the things which might take place shortly. They're, they're going to take place now. And so the next couple of chapters in this book of Revelation speaks to uh, seven churches, and it speaks specific things to each church. And since we are um, part of the church, I, I want to touch upon these seven things so that you also might consider that these are the things that God signals to the church. See, there's sin out in the world. The world is out there doing things that are rebellious against God. They're disobedient. They, they don't even consider God. They're living life without God. But then God says, wait a second. Let's get the guys that are inside the church ready for my coming. So these seven churches, he begins to talk about seven sins that are well um, intertwined in the, in the church that 
is an issue, is an issue before God. And so the first one is found in chapter 2, verse 2, where God says like this. He says, Revelations 2, 2, I know your works. I know you're hardworking. I know you're patient. You cannot stand those that are evil. You are tested by those who call themselves spiritual leaders and are not and have found them to be liars. Verse 3, he says, and you have persevered and have had patience and you've worked You've worked for my name's sake and have not become tired. This is called the sin of busyness. How many can relate with, I'm just, I'm just doing my stuff. I'm going, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. And you're so involved in your doing that you're not being. You're just going, you're going through the movement, but there's no substance. You're busy, but there is no, there's no weight in what you're doing. You're always busy. I'm always busy. And so these are the likes of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. When Jesus uh, visits the house of Mary and Martha, you know the background. Two sisters that, that know the Lord. And it says there that it happened as they went in a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Come, come, come on, Lord, come inside. And verse 39, she had a sister named Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus to hear his words. It's a whole different mind frame being busy or being still you know what pleases the lord being still getting things off your plate so that your life has a lot more significance uh, one of the things of not going to dallas this week was i don't want to go places just to go places i want to be where god wants me to be Amen. and that that requires being still because you could run ahead of god and so one of the sins of the last days are busy people. They're so busy, they don't have time to listen to God. And she was at the feet of Jesus and heard his words, and her sister was upset, verse 40. Martha was distracted. She, was, she wasn't focused. We talked about distraction the last couple of days here at church. She was distracted with a lot of busy serving, busyness. And she approached Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister is not busy? She's left me alone in all my businesses. Therefore, tell her to get involved. And what was it? Jesus says in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are so troubled and you have so many things on your plate about many things. Many things, many things, many things. You're not focused. You're distracted. You're busy running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And you're going nowhere. The people of Israel were in the desert 40 years going around in circles. They weren't listening to God. They weren't obeying. And so when he, uh, verse 42, responds, you're so troubled with many things. One thing is what you're needed one thing is needed, Mary. Your sister, Mary, has chosen that good part, and this will not be taken away from her. She's focused. She's at the feet. She's listening. She's doing what God wants. Um, a couple of months ago, somebody came in here and says, you, you should be doing this, Pastor, and you should be doing that, and you should be doing this, and you should go here, and you should go there. I said, listen, I'm only interested in doing what God is telling me to do. I'm not interested in just doing everything that you can do. Super important to be focused. Not fill your schedule with many things, but with the things that God has purpose for you to do. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, this church, the second church, Smyrna, 
was a church whose sin was that they were scared because there was a price to follow God and many people were being put to death. And so verse 8, he says like this to the church of Smyrna, the second church. First church was busyness. Second church is reminded of him who was first and last. He was dead and came to life. Verse 9, he says... I know that your works and your, the sufferings of your tribulations and poverty, and I know the blasphemy of the Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. They're fellowshipping with the devil. Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Uh, let me ask you a question, and this is, this is by way of experience. The call of your God, the call of God on your life, does it scare your pants off? Like he's going to call you to a place where your trust has to be on him and not anything you produce. And you're like, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm hanging on. God, what do you want me to do? But I'm not letting go of this rope. It's like, I want you to walk on water. I want you to trust me. And so the fear has a lot of people on the shoreline. Um, you heard the story of the man that, that they all came to the, they all came to, they wanted to marry a daughter here, but they all came to the side of the pool. And the father says, whoever crosses this pool of crocodiles first, he gets to marry my daughter. And as he's giving the instructions, somebody heard a splash. And he went and crossed that pool, got to the other side, and got out of the water. And they said, man, that guy's brave. He's courageous. And he gets out of the water. He goes, who pushed me? <laughs> a lot of times we need a push because we're terrified at what God is calling us to do. Should I trust God? And so this second church, Smyrna, their sin was they were terrified because it was times, it says, you do not fear those things which are about to suffer. Your, your Christianity is about to take another level of seriousness. The devil is about to throw some of you in prison. There's going to be a price that you might be tested and you will have tribulations. Be faithful until it till the end, till you die, and I'll give you the crown of life. So these people's sin was they were fearful. And some people are scared. Pastor, you go to Poland and change the world. You go to Nicaragua and you change the world. You go, you go to Mexico and you change the world. Listen to me. Uh, I don't know if you were here on Wednesday night, but God rattled the church here. And it was like saying, you know something? God wants you to move with him to do things you never expected that are a part of his plan. And, and some of the men came running forward and saying, God, shake me to, to the foundations of my life so I come out of my, um, maybe my fear, my conformity. The third church was Revelations 2.12. This is a church that said, let's not be too radical. Let's just be mainstream and normal. Why, why do we have to be different? Let's not scare people off. Last night I got home and my boys were trying to figure out what should be the fabric of their youth group? Should they give cotton candy and lollipops and invite people in and, and make a circus? Or should they come because they will find God in this place? Amen. Who do we want? People that you have to continue to give treats and toys and come on. Or people that are going to find God and know God and live for God. What, what type of fabric of, of youth are we going to produce? Because if you start having to give people little toys, when the toys run out, the people leave. When you stop agitating the Coke bottle, the foam starts, stops coming out of the top. 
There's no essence. And that's what was happening here in this third church. It says, um, verse 12, he says to the angel of the church of Pergamos, these things says, he who has a sharp two-edged sword. You imagine coming to church and you're hearing this good, bubbly, good feeling. Uh, one man says, Pastor, every time I go to church, I, I, go, I come out of there all hurt. You're messing with me. Of course I'm messing with you. There has to be a change. I gave one book, one book and one of our conferences to a man. He went up to his hotel room and he says, your book cut me open all night long. Your book was cut. So our Christianity has to be sharp. God did not give you a butter knife. He gave you the sword of the spirit. You don't have to spread the butter and make it feel good. And I want to put some peanut butter on there and some jelly. No, it's a sharp two-edged sword. How many Christians do we know in the last days that have turned this two-edged sword into a butter knife? That doesn't cut. It doesn't circumcise the heart. It doesn't make somebody um, moved in their inner being. That man last night was all cut up. The president of Miller. He was cut up. He, I'm, I'm sure he didn't sleep last night. Why? Because I told him he's going to go to hell. If he doesn't turn his heart towards God. And his wife was freaking out. I said, don't worry. I, I, I do this for a living. He's not going to die. He's going to live. Because it's a sharp two-edged sword. This, the sin of this church was not busyness. And it was not fear. It was compromise. Compromise in the sense of watering the gospel down. I told the people in Texas two years ago when I went to do a men's conference, you guys have watered Christianity so down that your children are going to start converting to Islam because they want a reason to live. They want something that's worth dying for. So if Christianity has become a non-martyr to die for your witness, and that's what Jesus says, you will be martyrs. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If we're not longer dying to Christianity, if we're not crucified with the cross, then we, we have lost our faith. We have lost our perspective. We no longer have a double-edged sword there. He says, these things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. Next time somebody accuses you of being too sharp, you says, I'm getting sharper. I'm polishing this thing. I'm not going to be, like verse 14 says, I have a few things against you that you hold the doctrine of Balaam. You're playing games with my gospel. You guys remember Balaam. He was the prophet that they would pay to speak things that, that king, the king of Moab wanted to hear. How many thank God for a donkey that heard God? And told Balaam, listen, you compromising little twit. There's an angel about to cut your head off. And that's why I haven't got off the ground. There was a, there's a donkey that was wiser than the prophet. And you read that story in the book of Judges. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block. He taught them how, how to take advantage of God's people. Guys, let me ask you a question. What would you do with a traitor in this house? Somebody that would come here to want to have sex with your daughters without being married. How would, what, what would we react to that young man? Years ago, we had a, a gentleman who says, hey, pastor, you know something? I just can't see my 12-year-old son not being able to kiss a little girl. I want my 12-year-old son to have that experience like I had in the summer of 67. And I'm like, you pervert. Let me ask you a question. Who's, who, 
The daughter of who? What man in our congregation do you want to come with me so we could ask him if their daughter could kiss your son just because you want your son to have a kissing experience? Well, you put it that way. That's not right. Well, what way do you want to put it? So we, we cannot be defeating our own team. That, that, that cannot be. We, with the youth, I tell the youth are fighting a tremendous battle. There can't be somebody out there dancing with devils and, and, and throwing parties with demons and then coming here and wanting to be a world changer. That, that doesn't mix. I don't understand it. But again, um, there it is. These who are following the doctrine of Balaam, they'll do anything as long as they're getting remunerated, teaching Balak, the enemy of God, to put a stumbling block. Uh, the last days, the church will have people inside of it that will be moving in sins that are not supposed to be. Listen to me. This looks like uh, this letter should have gone down the street to Hooters. It's not. It's to the church. He says they're, they're breaking out. They're committing sexual immorality. They're living for the passions of the flesh. And God is writing to the church saying, listen to me, these things I have against you. You're too busy. You're too fearful. You've watered it down too much. And now he's saying this thing, you're compromising. You're, you're, you're selling out. You're living in such a way that it's no longer Christianity. And then the next one, uh, verse 18, he says like this. He says, I'm writing to the church of Titira." These things says the God who has eyes like flames of fire and feet like fine brass. You, my friend, even though, verse 19, I know your works, your love, and your service and faith, you're patient. That these things are more now at the end than they were at the beginning. You're doing great. You're on fire. You're, you're, you're fervent. Verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You allow the spirit of Jezebel to teach and to seduce. You allow a spirit that's not healthy to be the one that's engaging and leading the troops in the last days. This spirit of Jezebel is one thing that Sammy Rodriguez talked about in the gathering there with these pastors and leaders, he says that Jezebel came out and told Elijah, this time, tomorrow, within 24 hours, you will no longer be living. So the spirit of Jezebel comes and says, your ministry is over. Your intensity is over. Your, your power to call down fire from heaven is over. And, 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 and Pastor Sammy Rodriguez says, you know what? It's a lying spirit because within 24 hours, Elijah was still alive. And within 48 hours, he was still alive. In 36 hours, he's still alive. 72 hours, he's still alive. Uh, a week went by. A month went by. A year went by. Elijah did not die. A hundred years went by and he didn't die because the fiery chariots took him to heaven without dying. A thousand years later, he hasn't died. And 2,000 years later, he hasn't died. 4,000 years later, he still hasn't died. So Jezebel is a lying spirit. She comes to intimidate you, to diminish your strength and your capacity and the call of God upon your life. So those of you that are tolerating that voice, 
you need to ask God for forgiveness today and not tolerate this voice in your life anymore. Not tolerate the voice that says your days are over. Revelations 3.2, another church, he says, I have this against you. It's not the sin of busyness. It's not the sin of fear. It's not that you're watering it down. It's not that you are diminished because of the Jezebel spirit. But this one is be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. You're so tired. Pastor, I'm tired of hearing the word of God. I'm tired of just waiting on the Lord. I'm tired of, of trusting the Lord. I'm, he says, those things that are about to die, you're about to give up. You better start making alive, making strong. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Go to another level of maturity. Don't be a, uh, don't be a church that has conformed. Uh, the, this is, this is um, customarily... Uh, Christians, they come out of the world, they come out of troubles, they come out of things that are bad, and they get to a good place, and right here, they, they, you know something? This was the tribes of Israel. They said, we don't want to go into the promised land, the things God has promised. We'll sit right here, because there's no Egypt here. There's no Pharaoh. We're not slaves anymore. We're comfortable. And he says, no. Quit being comfortable and go to greater intensity. Quit being tired. Quit letting the your life and devotion for the things of God to come to an end. Uh, there's a big difference between gasoline and rocket fuel. How many say amen? amen? Ask God for rocket fuel. You don't have to sit there and teeter in the field of mediocrity and not be known as a radical Christian. I was talking to Mauricio Chiriboga. I said, my friend, David was known as a giant slayer as a child. You don't take your youth to squander your strength, but have a testimony. When I was 12, I slayed the bear. I fought the lion. I protected my father's sheep. I was a shepherd that didn't fear. And now this uncircumcised giant, I'm going to knock his head off. So in the seasons of youth and in the seasons to the end and right before we die, we're not going to go, oh, we're going we're gonna to die. Hallelujah! And I'm on fire and I want to see the streets of gold. I want to see what, what I've been waiting to see for so many years. How sad it is for those Christians that don't see anything. They're blind. And so that's the next one. It's not the tired Christians. It's um, the proud. Listen, listen to this. When you, when you overstep your bounds, Revelation 3.17, because you say I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing, don't you know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? What's this speak to us? This speaks that, that um, there's always another level to discover. And you can't get to the place where you say I arrived. That's, that was R.T. Kendall's message to us when he came. Finishing well, says he says, I'm 81 years old. I still haven't finished well. I said, are you kidding me? He says, no, not till my last breath. Amen. I don't want to have the sin of conformity. Yeah, I'm un viejito. I'm old. That's it. I'm going to take it easy. There's no taking it easy with R.T. Kendall. 
This is the story of Lorenzo we talked about. I want to die marching for the Lord, Caleb's mentality. I want the heights of God's promises to be fulfilled. Not only when I was young, but in my old age, the things that God has promised, I want them to be a reality. I don't want to say I don't have, look what he says, I have need of nothing. I don't have nothing else to learn. I don't have to go to discipleship. I'm not going to learn anything. Let's stand this morning and ask God to, as we reflect on these things, to allow us not to fall into these traps. This is no, there's no doubt the devil is hunting the precious soul. He's trying to find out how can I get Joey to mess up here? How can I just cut him short of the full glory and potential of God for his life? Uh, my life also... Um, if we have been speaking about changing the world for 18 years, you think it's time to settle in and get comfortable now? Not in heaven's name. No way. We still are pursuing. We're in hot pursuit for the presence of the Lord. To hear his voice more keenly, K-E-E-N, that we might be able to uh, say, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. This whole thing about the trip to Cuba this year, all that is, is marinating. How many know how to cook? They let things sit in their sauce. Let them get that, that good taste. I'm telling you, they're freaking out over there. They had a visitation of the Lord from one coast to the other coast. And they're just marinating in the things that they heard and they witnessed and they saw. And, and these things are continued to be revealed in our day um, I'm trying to find this verse real quick super important that I say Lord get, get the things that you don't like out of my life begin to fine tune me this is, this is true with, with instruments. Uh, whenever you're going to pick up a guitar, whenever you're going to pick up a violin, you, you have to stretch it. You've got to begin to put it in proper place so that it is in harmony. I would not like, and, and this is one of the things that I'm praying for really badly because I know that, that God did not call me to change the world alone. I know that there, if, if we all get to where we need to be in the purpose of God, there's going to be a harmony of everyone doing their part. And as everyone is finely tuned, we all become that team. And, and that's what a lot of people... When R.T. Kendall was here last week, he says, it's amazing how long you guys have been together, the, the leadership team in this church. And that is huge testimony to God's faithfulness in our lives and to our maturity to want what God wants. <clears throat> Can't find this right now. Let me see.
Let's bow our heads today and say, Father God, thank you for being able to take the pulse of your church. You want a church, Lord, that is able to walk in a manner that glorifies your name. A church that is ready at your coming. That's not just being busy. We, we don't want to be that church. We don't want to just be doing things for the sake of doing things. We want to be sitting at your feet and listening to your voice. We don't want to be a fearful church because of the price that we'll pay in persevering, what it causes, what it means to be a Christian, the price that needs to be paid, Lord. Let us be like those courageous men that found a field and went and fought for it and would not rest until they came into the promised land and they fought the battles of the Lord and conquered the territory that was theirs. Allow us, Lord, not to be a watering down church where we make this a circus where the attraction to our church is buying donuts on Sunday morning to get people to come. That your presence and your reality would consume us, Lord. And we would be like deers that pant for the living God. That we would be hungry and thirsty for righteousness and for pleasing you, Lord. You speak into our hearts and to our family and to our children that we not be wayward Christians. Speak to us not to be like Balaam that are chameleons turning every shade of the colors with whom we fellowship, Lord. That when we're with worldly, carnal people, we become worldly and carnal. And when we're with Christian people, we want to prophesy and we want to come before you and pretend worship, calling ourselves prophets, but having donkeys speak into our lives. Allow us not to be caught into sexual immorality and sin and to give room to Jezebel to seduce us and intimidate us and limit our serving you. Allow us not to be tired and overwhelmed by the high call. Give us rocket fuel to finish with glory, O oh God, and then keep us from pride as we pursue the heights that we never say we don't need to learn something, that we're always learning, that we're always in walking in humility, even to the last days, Lord, that we're willing to hear your voice and your spirit and to obey and to be conformed to the image of Christ that was obedient to death and death on a cross. I pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would pray in the Spirit, that we would be able to hear your voice and move in the direction that pleases you because you're about to arrive on the scene and we want to be found blameless at your coming, Lord. We want to be like the virgins that were able to light the lamps, O oh God, and have oil in our lamps and be able to burn bright and come into when the bridegroom comes with the voice in the midnight cry. That we would be ready, Lord, even in the midst of persecution and suffering, that you would be crowned keen and Lord of our lives, Lord, we would worship and serve you to our last day. We give you thanks for this day that we are encouraged as we celebrate and we worship you, Lord. We give you thanks for this trip to Warsaw, yes. that this church might be represented, Lord, in that nation, O oh God. And that hundreds and thousands of those uh, citizens of that nation and even the leadership would be able to recognize and authenticate the genuineness of the call 
of God upon our lives to change nations, Lord. That's the anointing you've given us, oh God. Transform that country for your glory and use us as your instruments, oh God, as the ministers of your peace. Give us wisdom beyond our years, Lord, and allow us to stand strong. Even the men that come along on this trip, Lord, surround them with tender mercies, oh God. Make them strong. Use them with purpose as they sacrifice to pursue you upon the earth, Lord. Give them great reward. We pray in Jesus' name. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.